Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debates, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour, and this is episode 91 of the Canadians Connection podcast. We've this is the season 3 premiere of the Canadians Connection podcast as well, and we are so happy to be here for the Scott Gomez edition of the Canadians Connection podcast and pleased as always to be joined by the founder of Rocket Sports Media, the editor in chief, the president, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing on this fine day? Well, happy Canada Day to you and our listeners, and happy Independence Day to uh, our listeners uh, south of the border, which we have uh, several. Hope that you're celebrating and celebrating uh, responsibly. Yes, absolutely. And of course, we, listen, uh, we wish all of our American listeners, all of our friends uh, down in America a, a safe day. Uh, hopefully you enjoy it, relax a little bit. And as you mentioned uh, on the latest episode of The Press Zone, with Amy Johnson, this is a little bit of a different July experience for hockey mm-hmm. fans. There is no watching television. There's no checking your phone, refreshing to see if there's any new signings to see uh, Bob McKenzie or Elliot Friedman tweet out who's going where. So hopefully it's been a little bit of a more enjoyable experience. And, uh, and, uh, and you know, you've gotten either Canada Day or now the 4th of July to enjoy and celebrate uh, safely and responsibly, as you said. Now, um, so yeah, you mentioned Bob McKenzie, and and I heard him say that normally uh, he's off to the lake and uh, on his yeah. summer vacation <laughs> by now, but uh, that's been delayed uh, because of these NHL NHLPA negotiations, uh, which maybe we'll be finding out uh, something about this weekend. Um, but otherwise, uh, and 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 we'll get to that. Actually, why don't you tell uh, people uh, yeah. what what we're going to be uh, talking about today? Well, we're going to be touching on a variety of subjects, but the big topic for this week is, well, we're still concerned about the draft because, boy, oh, boy, that that has not tempered at all. Mm -hmm. We're still very much, that's much on the minds of hockey fans right now. So we have actually uh, made a mock draft up to where the Canadians would be potentially picking if they do not win the first overall pick and get to select Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, They actually, uh, but if they were to pick ninth overall, who might be available then? So we're going to run it down, see who we've got going in the first, uh, within the first 10 picks of the draft, essentially. Um, But Beyond that, we do have some news items to get to. We've we've got Mike Ribeiro in the news. Claude Julian spoke this week. Mark Bergevin spoke this week. And, of course, the ongoing uh, impact of COVID-19, of the coronavirus. Uh, Hub City is expected to be announced, and uh, notable by their absence is Las Vegas, who we assumed was going to be one of the Hub Cities, and it sounded like it was going to be that way for many, many weeks. But uh, they've gone in a different direction. So we will be touching on all of that. 
uh, before we get to the mock draft that we will be conducting in segment <laughs> and number two. And I'm excited about segment two. Uh, but you yeah. mentioned that it is episode 91. It is the start of our season three, which uh, congratulations and yeah. and uh, two it. wonderful seasons with you. And I've enjoyed uh, every episode and, and uh, uh, looking forward to what uh, changes we have for season three. And, you know, we've made some changes to all of our uh, Rocket Sports Radio uh, podcasts. We're going to remind you about uh, those changes in uh, in uh, uh, segment three uh, because there's some things that we need you to do as well as in terms of subscribing. But you mentioned that this is episode 91, and of course that's tied uh, to uh, Scott Gomez, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, however you choose to <laughs> to, to uh, remember that uh, Scott Gomez uh, uh, brought to the Canadians in that trade that uh, everyone, well, no one will ever forget. Uh, Scott Gomez, uh, Tom Pyatt, uh, Michael Busto coming from the Rangers for Chris Higgins. Dan Jan- uh, Janik and uh, Pavel Valentenko. Oh, and that other guy, Ryan McDonough. Um, uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, um, yes, Bob Gainey uh, should not have listened to uh, Pierre Gauthier on that, but that, that was, that was uh, constructed, assembled, designed, manufactured by Pierre Gauthier, uh, who did not see much promise in uh, Ryan McDonough uh, and liked uh, Scott Gomez a lot. Um, a bit of a disaster, but when he came over in the 2009-10 series uh, season, he uh, wore 91, uh, which was uh, a flip of the the uh, the reverse of his 19 that he had traditionally worn. Of course, couldn't take that. Retired in Montreal, um, and then went on with some. Um, I think there was some mild protest about him moving to uh, uh, 11 the following season. Of course, it hadn't been that yeah. long. Uh, that uh, Saku Koivu uh, had worn that number, so that was a little little unnerving for some fans. Um, yeah, it it was it was tough, <laughs> but uh, that number ninety one. Um, you, you know, there's there's some pretty good players around the league these days. Uh, with that ninety one, we have Steven Stamkos wearing ninety one. We have uh, Tarasenko in, with the Blues. We have John Tavares. And then there's that guy in Arizona. Um, yeah. And who's that guy again? Yeah, that'd be uh, <laughs> Taylor Hall. And uh, everywhere I look, he's at the top of the uh, 2020 free agent class, uh, which free agent uh, day has been moved from July 1st uh, to probably November 1st this year. Yeah. And we heard all kinds of talk about uh, Taylor Hall maybe destined for Calgary, which makes some sense, uh, but also uh, that he, you know, uh, might be interested in coming to Montreal. So could that be uh, a storyline that we're talking about as uh, as it gets closer to November? I think Canadians fans would certainly like it to be a topic that we talk about, uh, given that Taylor Hall, as you said, uh, very highly touted uh, free agent for this uh, for this year and of course the Montreal Canadiens in need of some scoring seemingly as always so that would be something to address that and uh, yeah that's how we make the connection here on the Canadians Connection podcast so Rick uh, speaking of signings so we didn't get the traditional July 1st free agent frenzy day that we usually get but the Laval Rocket made a pair of signings that we could talk about they signed a defenseman Corey Schooneman 
and uh, a forward Samuel Vigneault to one-year AHL contracts. Laval Rocket filling out their roster a little bit. Yeah, I, I think we'll be talking about this on uh, from the. <laughs> Uh, there, the I, press zone. I the press zone, the press zone. We've we've <laughs> just changed names from the press box to the press zone, and I uh, think if I could interject, I think that's my fault because I I have been saying it nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be our our season four first episode uh, on Tuesday of the press zone, and uh, yeah. we'll be talking about these signings. Um, as some some. Uh, interesting uh, players added. Vino uh, played with the Cleveland Monsters last year. Uh, Schooneman with uh, Stockton in his uh, first year in the AHL. Um, the list, however, I just did a list. I'm going to show you the list in the studio here. Um, I got names here. We, we have uh, the Laval Rocket building the roster for 2020-2021. We have um, prospects like Hillis and Hizamudinov and Yelonen and maybe Kop Kanyemi, although he should be with the, the Canadians, Paling, yeah. uh, Evans, Vedamo, Teasdale, Harvey Pinard. Then we've got a whole list of AHL veterans like Belzeal, Dauphin, Lucini, Blandizi, Sturz, Luchik, Alain, Verbeek, Pizzetta, Wakehead, the aforementioned Vino, uh, what's going to happen with Charles Houdon, Lynch, Feo, Cox, Pelche, Liam Howell. Um, those are just the forwards, <laughs> no defensemen in there. And <laughs> and yes, 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 yes. Before people complain, there's some RFAs and not all of them will be, will be back. But um, looks like we're building two teams here. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that's yeah. the point uh, with uh, um, some players to go to... Uh, uh, a yet to be unveiled ECHL team. Yeah, and that would be uh, that would be helpful for the Montreal Canadiens organization for the Laval Rocket to have their own ECHL affiliate. We've discussed this many times, and of course, we know uh, Dean McDonald is assembling a team to try to get an ECHL club, and uh, that would be a uh, best case scenario, I think, for the Laval Rocket. So. Mm-hmm. They can, Rather than send Michael McNiven all over the place, they could actually send their prospects somewhere and and be a little bit stable. Uh, But yes, the Canadians, uh, or the Laval Rocket rather, made a pair of signings this week. Um, So that is of note uh, going forward. And that would be for the 2020-2021 season, whenever that is to start. Uh, And then we have, so as we mentioned, the NHL phase one of the NHL draft lottery. Still very much on the minds of hockey fans and... uh, not surprisingly, uh, this week after discovering that the Canadians do have a chance to select Alexi Lafreniere, uh, the Canadians have reached out to the projected number one overall pick. And not unusual. Other teams nope. have uh, as well. It, um, it's it's uh, a responsible thing to do. Uh, Trevor Timmons and other, uh, other members of, of his team, his recruitment team, uh, uh, arranged a video conference uh, with Alexi Lafreniere and um, the reports uh, not officially kind of uh, under the, the, the radar um, reports to Louis Jean said that uh, he was very professional he was very uh, um, um, impressive and um, and and so and, and you wouldn't you wouldn't expect anything else and and uh, so yeah. they they now have uh, in addition to all their scouting reports, they have uh, direct contact and a, and a video interview to go by. Yeah, and of course, as you said, many, many teams 
reaching out to Alexi Lafreniere. This is going to be a very interesting time for him going forward. Well, a very uh, interesting time because yeah. where's he going to play? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, there's the, the article uh, in TVA mentioned uh, Switzerland. I keep hearing this, that um, could he be going to Switzerland next year? Not unlike Austin Matthews did um, prior to coming to the NHL. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see with with that. But yeah, of, of course, a uh, lot of options going to be uh, coming up for Alexi Lafreniere. Um, and Rick, so another interesting story this week. Uh, this past Monday marks the four-year anniversary of the day that hockey went a little bit crazy and we saw a pair of trades, one of which the Montreal Canadiens trading P.K. Subban to the Nashville Predators in exchange for Shea Weber, uh, Shea Weber, of course, now the Montreal Canadiens franchise defenseman and captain. Um, and, of course, remember back to that day, the June 29th, 2016, where, of course, the Edmonton Oilers also made a trading trading Taylor Hall, who we just talked about a little while ago, for Adam Larson and the the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning signing Steven Stamkos, all in the span of like a half an hour. It was a crazy day. <laughs> but the part that gets, that gets the Montreal Canadiens fans talking, of course, is the Subban for Weber trade which is still a, a hot-button issue uh, in Montreal. There's still some people that are very much ardent P.K. Subban supporters who think that that was a mistake, and there are those that are happy that Shea Weber is a member of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so that four years on still continues to be a debate that's had amongst Habs fans. This is this is our quick hits um, section. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're we're not going to dismantle the the uh, the entire trade. But but does it need at this point? Does it really need that kind of analysis to not really uh, prove who came out on top in in that? I mean, when the trade was was made, um, I think the most generous. Um, uh, folks who were talking about uh, the the Canadians would have said that the Canadians would win short term with Weber and that the long term aspect would belong to to Subban and assumably then it was the the Predators uh, but that hasn't even turned out like that I, I, yeah. it's it's a slam dunk Weber has been um, much better and and I understand I understand the emotional attachment uh, to PK Subban, I understand that he's a celebrity. I understand he's a personality, um, but um, unless you're you're Brendan Kelly, um, th- there is <laughs> there is no way you can make the case uh, that uh, uh, PK Subban uh, has been the, the the better player in terms of of Weber. It's been uh, performance. Uh, easily, uh, he's won that, and leadership and the difference that he's made in the locker room. Uh, there's, 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 there's just no question at this point. Yeah, I agree, and I agreed at the time that the trade was the right move for the Montreal Canadiens. If you're looking to win right now, you add Shea Weber, and you go on. And, and unfortunately, sometimes injuries have kept him out of the lineup, but that's all you can do. That's 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 the nature of the business. Uh, but another person that shared their thoughts on that trade and more. Um, was Mike Ribeiro, who uh, is looking to get into coaching. But yeah, he also said that the Montreal Canadiens in the trade with the National Predators, where they picked up Shea Weber, they got a man and a presence in Shea Weber. So uh, perhaps he is correct on that front. But uh, what do you like? Uh, do you like Mike Ribeiro's chances of getting into the NHL as a coach? Well, he's right on the, the uh, his comments about Subban and, and Weber. 
Yeah. As far as as being added to the Montreal Canadiens coaching staff, I my goodness, uh, Mike Ribeiro has. Uh, I mean, he had a um, a, a career, um, and yeah. <laughs> uh, it was it was up and down, and um, and it was filled with uh, dependency and addiction and and partying and all kinds of other things. And and I thought it was funny that um, he said that after he retired, he he thought he deserved because um, they asked where have you been the last three years. He said I deserved a chance to party. Well, that's what he did while he played. Um, <laughs> But he said that over the last few years, he's reached out to the Nashville Predators uh, to and offered his services as a power play coach, and he'd be glad to do the same with the Montreal Canadiens as long as as uh, uh, Claude Julien isn't there, <laughs> um, yeah. because he I I think he realizes he, he wouldn't be a good fit with uh, Claude Julien, uh, so he's waiting uh, till uh, Joel Bouchard gets uh, gets the gig and and would gladly assist him. Um, I, you know, uh, Mike Ribeiro is, is, uh, was a troubled young man and, and, uh, is maybe still working through things. And I give him credit for, uh, if yep. he has turned his life around, but that doesn't mean, uh, he's ready for a, uh, a, a job that will influence, uh, young players. He's just not there. Um, the other thing, you know, when we're talking about trades and, and, uh, uh, I saw a lot of, because of Ribeiro's comments, he was in the news, I saw a lot of uh, reflection on on the uh, Yanni Nimina uh, Ribeiro trade, uh, how it's got to be considered one of the worst in 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 uh, Canadians history, and, and then um, uh, people go through and compare stats. Uh, if, if you begin with comparing stats, you don't know why the trade was made. Um, yeah. That was that was uh, an addition by subtraction uh, by Bob Gainey, and it, it was the trade that needed to be made. They needed to move him out. He was uh, a negative influence on the um, locker room, on the team, and certainly his 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 uh, public hatred of of Saku Koivu wasn't. Uh, uh, that is, uh, uh, Ribeiro's public hatred of of Saku Koivu was just not healthy for the team. Uh, yeah, there was there was a lot of things that led to that, and as you said, yeah, the relationship uh, between Koivu and Ribeiro not healthy. So definitely uh, the right move at the time, and whether or not the Montreal Canadiens should bring him in the fold now, I just I really don't see that that being a, a very positive thing uh, going forward. But as you said, credit to him if um, you know uh, whatever journey that he is on to sobriety to being a better man by his own standards then that that's great for him but yeah it's it's a little bit dicey to bring uh, someone like that into the fold um, in my opinion but as you said he would only want to do that if it was for Joel Bouchard and not Claude Julian and we heard from Claude Julian this week um, Claude Julian's in a bit of an interesting spot given the fact that the Montreal Canadiens are the Montreal Canadiens and the projected number one overall pick is Alexi Lafreniere who happens to be from Quebec so yeah, he touched on the return to play and the interesting situation that he finds himself in and the Montreal Canadiens find themselves in. He, it's, it's um, I mean, in the end, Claude Julien said the right thing, um, that, yeah. that uh, they're going into this uh, uh, pre-playoff tournament to win. 
uh, against the Penguins. But the way he got there was, I don't know that I've heard um, a coach going into that kind of series, um, you know, admit any kind of distraction. And he did. He said he called it a dilemma. Um, and there should be no, uh, for the coach and for the players, there should be no dilemma. It should be, we're going in to win. There shouldn't even be any talk about the draft. Um, but, and he also said, the quote was, uh, there are several teams right now who are licking their lips, thinking of the opportunity, that opportunity to, to, uh, draft Alexi Lafreniere. Um, that admission that there was that he's even um, you know allowed himself to to float in that direction, I thought was an interesting. Um, I I don't know. I, I've I've never heard that from a coach before. And yeah. and that said, he eventually got right right back. He he got back to um, you know saying that that uh, um, we're we're focusing on on winning the tournament and and. Uh, all of that. It, it was just odd. The other thing that I thought was kind of odd is his admission that um, um, he kind of asked and answered his own question. He said, are we built to win the Stanley Cup? No. Uh, which, I, which I, again, I, I don't, I, I mean, he's right. He's absolutely yeah. right. But yep. I don't know that I've heard a coach say those things before. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it, I think it just speaks to the situation that we're in right now. The fact mm. that the draft lottery, the phase one of the draft lottery took place when it did. And now that it transpired in, in this way where a team, a placeholder team has won the first overall pick, it should not have transpired in that way. And now it has these coaches thinking about this. Like, I mean, the Montreal Canadiens and Chicago Blackhawks, probably chief among them, thinking about, well, listen, we, we might not have a real good chance of winning the Stanley Cup, but do we like our odds a little bit better of selecting number one overall, one and eight? Is that a little bit higher? Do we have a better opportunity to do that? And yeah, I think, as you said, Claude Julien ended up saying the right things about this, that they're going in trying to win, because at the end of the day, if he goes in and says anything else, he loses credibility as an NHL head coach because he needs to say that I'm going to demand the best out of these guys, that we're going to try to do all that we can to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, even if it is an uphill battle. So in the end, he said the right things. But yeah, the, these, the circumstances surrounding this qualification round have become just one of the more interesting stories I think uh, that the NHL has seen in a long time in my opinion that this situation could turn out that a team gets eliminated from a qualification round for the playoffs and then lands at the number one pick overall and selecting uh, what who many think is a generational talent Alexi Lafreniere it's it is one of the more interesting stories I think um, going forward and, and yeah Claude Julian is in a very very interesting spot as i said <laughs> but uh in addition to hearing from claude julian we've also heard from mark bergevin this week he had an interview with rds uh and mark bergevin by the way you thought the beard a few years ago was looking pretty <laughs> wild the head of hair that he has on him and no judgment by the way we're all in that spot right now we're all three months into this well almost going on four uh <laughs> so no judgment uh but yeah he's got a, quite the head of hair right now and and mark bergevin said the things that you might expect Mark Bergevin to say going into this qualification round should it happen against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins are a better, more experienced team, and Montreal are a young team with a lot to prove, in the words of Mark Bergevin. 
Yeah, I'm not going to criticize his hair because I haven't had a haircut <laughs> since February, so um, I'm not going there at all. Um, but th- this, uh, we should say that that this interview was recorded on Monday um, yep. and uh, released by RDS uh, yesterday. And the reason why that's um, significant is that he talked about uh, still having uh, hopes for um, uh, Romanov. Uh, to to and and said they were just waiting for the news. Well, I think that's been decided now that we won't see yeah. uh, Alexander Romanov as part of the expanded um, roster. Um, yeah. Other kind of highlights for me, he said that he liked his team. Other, <laughs> it was kind of a, a paradox. It was it was other than the two long losing the eight game losing <laughs> streaks. I really liked my team. Uh, okay. Uh, maybe there's a reason for those two uh, eight-game losing streaks. Um, he talked about the Rocket, that it would have been uh, nice to see them uh, make a push for the playoffs. Um, you know, w- did they have a chance? They did, but the it was going to be a real uphill climb for them to uh, make the playoffs. Um, he talked about, uh, yes, Barry Kotkaniemi, and, and uh, that it looks like he's going to play, although he said that... Uh, that would only happen after the uh, Canadians' doctors uh, had a look at him. Um, and just kind of uh, emphasize that um, it was important for the club to go as deep in the playoffs as possible. Yeah, and uh, of course, they've, he and Claude Julien have both said that this could be a positive experience for their young players to have a deep playoff run, to potentially get into the playoffs at all, I think would be a win if you're looking at the Montreal Canadiens, given the fact that this wasn't looking, as you said, two eight-game winless streaks. It wasn't looking like it was going to be a positive season. If they somehow beat the Pittsburgh Penguins and get into the actual playoffs, then I think that you're looking at a a pretty successful experience for those young players currently on the Montreal Canadiens. But uh, yeah, we will see how this all uh, plays out going forward. Um, So, Rick, speaking of seeing how this all plays out, we have said time and time again in recent weeks that this is all very dynamic. This is changing week to week in these news items that we've been discussing basically since jump back in March when all this happened. And once we started discussing the return to play, the topic of hub cities was brought up. And we, for some time now, thought that Las Vegas was going to be, was surely going to be one of the hub cities. A lock. And, uh, this yeah. week, yeah we, th- yeah, we thought it was a lock. We thought that it was a sure thing. And uh, this week, we found out that it is not a lock and that it's actually going to be two Canadian cities that will be the hubs or will be announced at some point, uh, as we say, <laughs> this is so much subject to change, but this seems like it's a pretty much locked in at this point. Yeah, the, um, you know, it was, was it last week or the week before we were talking about Vancouver leading the pack? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that that kind of fell apart. Uh, Vegas, there's concerns about the coronavirus spiking um, in Nevada. So uh, it's now Edmonton and uh, Toronto are the two that... Uh, we're told uh, are uh, very close to being announced uh, as the two hub cities, and um, we we should see that the West, uh, the Western Conference, uh, will assemble in Edmonton, the Eastern Conference in uh, Toronto. 
Um, and that's only just one part. I think what's taking so well, what's taking so long is that at the same time, uh, they're trying to hammer out a six year CBA, uh, or extension to the CBA that's, uh, uh, making it a little more complicated. Obviously there's lots of, lots of things that, uh, have to be discussed to get that, um, uh, revealed. And, and that's what's, uh, that's what we we might hear. We expected to hear some news uh, on Friday. We didn't. We might hear it over the weekend. It might be early in the week, but we expected, well, we had heard that all of this was going to have to be um, sorted out by the end of June in order to have training camps start on July 10th. Now that looks like it's going to be pushed back a few days. Yeah, and and certainly with with these negotiations, we talked about it last week too. There are a lot of things that are being discussed in these negotiations, um, including a potential return to the Olympics in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty six, which has Canadian hockey fans salivating at the mere prospect of potentially seeing Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid play on the same team. <laughs> including myself. I, I, I haven't gotten over that. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, uh, th- this was something that was really important. It's important to fans, but it's been really yes. important to uh, the players. We heard Shea Weber talk about uh, how the importance of, uh, to all players returning to the Olympics, the um, owners uh, less so enthusiastic about it. And you can understand there's some been some difficulty uh, negotiating with the IOC about insurance for the players should they get hurt. Yeah. Um, the, the, the National Hockey League hasn't even been able to use footage from uh, the Olympics uh, <laughs> to promote, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is uh, the, the IOC has to change that. So uh, part of this is, is going to uh, hinge on the fact that a new kind of arrangement with the IOC. Uh, but the only kind of um, uh, difficult part of this is that the 2022 uh, Winter Olympics will be held in Beijing, which, you know, this is this is the source of of the coronavirus. So whether that could upend things or not, we don't know. And then uh, four years later in uh, Milan in 2026. But uh, can Sidney Crosby play in 2026? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm going to say that he can. Yeah, I, I think because. he can. Yeah, I think he can. <laughs> I think, well, he'll be just 33 30. in 2022, 20, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Or will he be 34 by that point? I thought he was getting upwards for 2026. I thought he'd be 39. He would be for 2026. He would 39? be significantly older for yeah. that one, but he would be in, in, in the mid thirties for 2022. So I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what else is in this big sweeping package? And we understand it's going to be voted on as a package. There's the return to play protocols. And then there's the, the traditional uh, CBA, uh, CBA uh, items, the CBA extension. They're going to be voted on as a package. Um, salary cap's going to be 81.5, um, for 2021 and, and will probably stay that way until, uh, league revenues, uh, get to 4.8 billion. Um, the escrow is going to be capped on the player's salary at 20%, uh, with a 10% deferral on salary, uh, that extra hit. Um, and then, uh, that gets paid out over the course of the, the, the six years, um, there's going to be an opt-out clause for players who uh, feel they cannot participate 
uh, in the um, in the tournament. Um, there's going to be uh, um, uh, restrictions on entry level salaries. There's going to be um, changes to the the no trade and no move clauses. Those things will follow uh, players much more easily. Uh, and there's the interesting part about uh, players 35 and over. Remember, this was an issue with Markov that uh, should they retire, that the cap hit would retain. All of that's being tossed out, so that uh, there will be not there will not be a cap hit if players 35 and over sign a multiple year contract and then end up uh, retiring. Uh, and then one little caveat at the end was that uh, players, when traveling, will uh, players and their significant others will travel business class, so they get a little bit of perk in in the CBA yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, there is a yeah, as we said uh, last week and continuing to this week, there is a lot going on in terms of these negotiations, and as we say, it's always. Uh, there's always more added by the day, more information coming out. And as you said, it could be this weekend. It could be early next week that we hear uh, some something on that. One more thing I'll just add, and it's what isn't in uh, yes. what's... Re- and it's um, there's been a lot of talk about compliance buyouts. And, and uh, I think Habs fans are just looking for an out... F- uh, out of Carl Alsner's contract. <laughs> uh, but there's been no hint of compliance buyouts. And for me... Um, I think that's the re you have to have money <laughs> in order to, yeah. you have to have cash in order to, uh, make the compliance buyouts and teams don't have cash right now. Yeah. That is the one thing that is also, uh, interesting and in that the fact there might be no, no mulligans in that way for, <laughs> for these teams with contracts like Carl Alsner, even though, as we've, we've said, Carl Alsner has been a pro's pro since he's been here. Uh, but yes, uh, no mulligans, uh, in a, in that way with compliance buyouts. Uh, but Rick, just before we wrap this thing up and get into the second segment, there was some news this week about positive tests coming out of the uh, St. Louis Blues uh, camp, which is unfortunate. We remember back a couple of weeks ago when we discussed that the Tampa Bay Lightning had to close down their facility because of positive tests and they're a favorite to win uh, this season. And then now you have the defending champions, unfortunately, having to close down uh, after some positive tests uh, in their camp. Yeah, so that's, I, I think we're facing yeah. a reality here that uh, any of these plans that are announced have to be flexible, and the, the coronavirus will drive uh, the plans, not the other way around. Absolutely, and that's that's been the important thing uh, to consider this entire time. And uh, one other thing, um, with having said that Edmonton and Toronto will be announced as hub cities for the NHL, uh, it's also important to note that this week uh, in the MLB, the Toronto Blue Jays got permission from the government to travel back to Toronto from Florida and have their uh, spring training, hold their spring training in Toronto. Um, And of course, uh, with the Rogers Center, they do have a hotel in the building. These players will be confined to that space, which will be uh, good for for the fact that they'll be um, out out of a spot where it's become a little bit of a hot spot in Florida. Uh, and into a spot where maybe they can control it a little bit better. But the problem will come, and this has been what many people have been concerned about, is if games are held in Toronto and then you have the back and forth, and additionally, and additionally you have the hub city of, of for the NHL is Toronto as well. So there is a lot of question marks surrounding uh, how this is all going to play out once you get into the regular season if that happens for the MLB and what that will look like and if it will be in Toronto or if it will be somewhere else 
but for now they do have the permission to have their spring training there. So, or their training, I should say, not really spring anymore. <laughs> but Rick, uh, with that said, I, I suggest we'll, we'll take a quick break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And when we come back, as we said, uh, the draft is still very much on the minds of hockey fans. And we've decided that we will do a mock draft to see who the Canadians might wind up with if they pick number nine. So uh, Rick, we'll take a quick break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, We'll discuss that. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, Visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, Drink and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at AllHabs.net the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. And as we said, uh, the draft, phase one of the draft lottery is still on the minds of hockey fans, on the minds of Habs fans, uh, given the fact that Alexi Lafreniere is a Quebec kid, going number one overall, and the Montreal Canadiens do have a shot, technically, at, at drafting number one overall. But we're more concerned with, we know who's going to go number one overall. But if the Montreal Canadiens don't win the first overall pick in phase two... No, they're two, winning. They're winning. I've, they're I've winning. seen it's it on, tw- on Twitter. I've seen it. They're, they're right. winning. <laughs> So let me put that There's in nothing notes. to Montreal, talk about. <laughs> Montreal picks number one, Alexi Lafreniere. That's yeah, the discussion. That's we'll see you next no, week. That's right. <laughs> but if they don't win, oh, okay. and I know that it's sacrilegious to even talk about this possibility, even though it's, you know, one and eight, not a sure thing by any stretch. Um, <laughs> if they don't, who might they walk away with from this year's draft? And, and what would be a, a successful consolation prize if they don't walk away? With Alexi Lafreniere. That's a good discussion so, to have. Yeah, absolutely. So, Rick, 
I don't think there needs to be a whole lot of discussion about who's going to be going number one overall in this year's NHL entry draft. It seems to be a pretty surefire bet that it is Alexi Lafreniere. So... Yeah, and that placeholder, whoever it is, hopefully yeah. it's the Montreal Canadiens, but the, as you said, the Canadiens just a one in eight chance uh, yeah. to uh, select there. And um, so the other option, if the Canadiens aren't picking first, we know that they'll pick ninth, just how things go. They will yeah. be picking ninth. Um, and in order for us to um, uh, to reveal who we think is uh, going to be uh, the Canadians' pick at number nine, we've got to figure out what the other teams are going to do to see who's going to be available by number nine. Absolutely. So herein lies the mock draft portion of this segment before we get to who we think the Montreal Canadiens will select at number nine. As I said, if they don't win the phase two of the draft lottery, which is the important part here, is that this is assuming they don't, and they pick number nine, as Rick said. So I'll get us started with number two, because we know who's going number one. It's Alexi Lafreniere. Number two, in my opinion, I think Tim Stutzla, for me, I was so impressed with him at the World Juniors, uh, this past year's World Juniors. He was a magnet to the puck. He was all over it. He's got speed. He's dynamic. And when I look at the fact that in recent years, the Kings have drafted a few centermen. They they drafted Alex Turcotte last year. Year before that, they had Rasmus Kupari and Akil Thomas. Those are two guys that I think maybe Akil Thomas you, you you don't look at in the same way, but he's still a guy that you look at as potentially being a centerman in the NHL. So Byfield to me, even though the frame alone of Quinton Byfield is something that you would be intrigued by, I look at the fact that if you are the the Los Angeles Kings. The idea of having Tim Stutzla play with Alex Turcotte or Kupari, either one of those guys, to me, that is in and of itself, uh, that, that, that just to me is, is tantalizing. And I, I, can't, I can't argue with that, um, but I will. Um, yeah. I, I, th- I think it's a coin, I, honestly, it's um, a coin flip for, for the uh, Kings. I can see an argument being made uh, either way. Um, but to have... Um, Anze Kopitar's replacement in Quinton Byfield uh, as the Kings' number yeah. one center, um, and, and and Quinton Byfield is raw. He's um, uh, he's talented, uh, but a little more raw than than say the the, the number one pick. Um, and uh, but but you see, you know, his size, his frame, his skill, everything that he can uh, bring to the table, and uh, he may be exactly what fits the bill for uh for the canadians uh, sorry for the kings um yeah. uh, mark Yannetti is the um is the uh director of of amateur scouting and and um of course he's not revealing anything but uh, he has said that um he likes byfield he could see him uh putting on more weight uh, more bulk to his frame and um and and I think I think there's there's uh, there's going to be a real tussle within the organization. Um, I'm just seeing the coin flip t- uh, land at uh, Quinton Byfield in my in my mock. Yeah, and and I think that 
that leaves the Ottawa Senators with probably the easiest choice to make in this year's draft at the number three spot. So who do you have going number three? Well, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, it's the who, who doesn't get picked at, at two, right? It's, it's perfect. And I have uh, Tim Stutzla. For all the reasons that you made him uh, the, the number two pick, uh, I see him going uh, number three to Ottawa. And what a great uh, addition he would be um, to to their prospect pool. We we've looked at Ottawa and and um, uh, we've even even seeing the Belleville Senators this year um, and uh, Josh Norris and Alex Formanton and Drake Batherson and um, yeah. on and on and on. Um, but do they have that uh, elite top level? Um, uh, number one, um, I, I, you know, maybe Stutzla is, is the answer, uh, there and, uh, he'd be a great pickup for Ottawa at number three. And yeah, I, I agree com- uh, completely. As I said, Ottawa is going to have the easiest decision with number three. I think with, with the fact that whoever falls out of that, whether it's Tim Stutzla or Quentin Byfield, and I think it could be either, or it's a coin flip. Like you said, Ottawa will be thrilled with either of them. Um, and I think that that would be, um, they'd be quite happy with, with either Quentin Byfield or Tim Stutzla. But I think it gets interesting at number four with Detroit because we, we discussed last week the frustration that there has to be uh, for Steve Eiserman. And I think that maybe yeah. going into this, he might have thought that the worst case scenario was slipping a couple spots down to number three. He ends up slip, uh, slipping all the way to number four. And in this particular spot, given the fact that last year they drafted Moritz Sider, which was, uh, I mean, it was a surprise to some, including our friend Jake, who tagged along to the uh, NHL entry draft (laughs) in Vancouver. Um, I think that they might go in that direction again. Maybe not as much of of a surprise, but maybe this one, it might be a little bit of, considered a little bit of a reach. Um, But I think that the only way that they walk away with a feeling that they've they've won in this way is is by selecting Marco Rossi because he's the guy in the CHL that outscored Alexi Lafreniere. He's a guy that's looked at as being incredibly dynamic, even though he's a little bit smaller. He doesn't play a small game. He plays bigger than he is. And I think that when you don't walk away with one of Lafreniere, Stutzler, or Byfield, I think you got to go big here, and it's by selecting a guy that isn't quite that big, but plays a lot bigger than he is. And uh, given the fact they took Cider last year, that played into what I'm thinking here. And I think that you want to have, you want to walk away from this feeling like you've won. And I think with Marco Rossi, you get that. Uh, Well, um, we hear Iserman say it needs to be a player that moves the needle. And I think that, um, like all drafts, this is set up in tiers. Um, Alexi Lafreniere is in a tier all his own. Two yeah. and three, uh, <laughs> Stutzlin and uh, Byfield are, are similarly in a tier. And then we're already to the third tier by the time we get to the number four pick. Um, so to get a player that moves the needle, you're looking for a dynamic player. And I think... Um, there's no question Marco Rossi is is a dynamic player, but the but the player I have at number four is Lucas Raymond uh, from yeah. Forlunda. and um, from from all my viewings, he is 
that dynamic player and uh, could be uh, the the type of player that um, really has a, a, a big impact that moves that needle uh, in Detroit. We've heard that, um, I guess, the, the easy connection to make uh, for Detroit is Cole Perfetti. Of course, he played in, in Saginaw. Uh, but I don't think that Iserman is that linear kind of thinker. I think he thinks out of the box, as we've seen with uh, Cider <laughs> last year. And I think uh, the guy that fits that uh, description this year is Lucas Raymond. Absolutely. I think that, well, I mean, the, the great part of this year's draft, too, is that there is this sort of tier and there are some really talented forwards in there. So, I mean, whoever you pick, I think you're going to be happy with either way. But, Rick, who do you have going number five, that second pick for the Ottawa Senators? Well, I have um, uh, that Saginaw Spirit uh, player, uh, Cole Perfetti, and uh, I'd... I, I've, I considered uh, Rossi here. There's that connection with the Ottawa 67s with, with the Ottawa Senators. Um, could it be a defenseman? Uh, could could they go with their 3-5, a, a forward and a defenseman? Um, I, I just think that when you have the opportunity to have Stutzla and Perfetti, you do it. And, uh, and so um, I see Pierre Dorian t- uh, uh, taking uh, Cole Perfetti at number five uh, with his, his second first-round pick. For me, I, I went with the direction where, okay, you get the forward number three, whether it's Byfield or Stutzla, whoever falls out of that uh, at, with, with the top three, whoever isn't taken at number two, you, you get him at number three, whether it is Stutzla or Byfield. Then at number five, I think, for me, I would draft a defenseman, and I think that would be Jamie Drysdale, just given the fact that you have Thomas Shabbat locked in on that left side of the defense for years to come, and to get a guy that could play alongside him, hypothetically, or play, you know, maybe you want to separate them out and have one play on one pair, one lead, another one, whatever it is you'd like to do. I think Jamie Drysdale, I was really impressed with him at the World Juniors. Uh, you know, a little bit of, of a smaller defenseman, but I think that he's still got um, he's, he's, he's got a fantastic uh, foot speed. I think that this is going to be a, a really good pick for whoever picks Jamie Drysdale. Uh, and I, I think that it would, it would be the Ottawa Senators uh, in this, uh, in, in, at least in my in my mock draft. Um, and then that leaves for me going number six, who you just say, Cole Perfetti. And for Anaheim, I think this is an absolute win. Whoever they walk away with, like I said, there's a group of forwards here that have high-end skill, high-end hockey IQ. Cole Perfetti, I think, for me, is the guy that just has, just he just does everything really, really well. And there's really nothing that you can say about him that you know is is an attraction or anything like that. He just has high-end skill high-end hockey IQ, and of course we know that he's got really nice hands as we've seen in the shootout a couple of times for Team Canada. <laughs> but who do you have going number six? Uh, for uh, Anaheim at number six, I, I considered um, on my board, Marco Rossi's still up there, and Anaheim needs scoring, um, but I I really like Trevor Zegras, and, and uh, they have him in, in the fold already, so uh, they also have a huge need on uh, right-hand defense, and, and for me, that would be Jamie Drysdale. Uh, for all the reasons um, you, you mentioned uh, taking him earlier, uh, I have Anaheim taking Jamie Drysdale as, as the first defenseman uh, to be taken in the draft. And, and uh, the, 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 the class of defenseman is, is a little thin in this, yeah. in this draft, um, 
and uh, but I see him going uh, first overall. Um, maybe they they look at a Jake Sanderson, but I see Jamie Drysdale having a higher ceiling, particularly offensively, and uh, that would be attractive to the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And the Anaheim Ducks just need to stock the cupboard. So whoever they see as being the highest potential player in that spot, I think they're going to walk away with. Uh, so moving to number seven, and you have the New Jersey Devils, who are in an interesting spot, of course, last year. They drafted Jack Hughes, number one overall. Now they're drafting number seven. And Rick, who do you see the New Jersey Devils walking away with at the number seven spot? Well, on my board, uh, it's Marco Rossi. Uh, he's still up there. And we remember in previous podcasts, uh, it seemed every second week we were talking about uh, uh, Mike Rochelle's, uh awards in the CHL yep. <laughs> and uh, Marco Rossi was, was loading up on the hardware. And uh, I think he would be a real nice uh, matchup there. Um, this, is, this pick, though, is where the whole shooting match could get upended. And yes. uh, I see Marco Rossi as being a nice fit with uh, with Hughes and Heischer and but um, but Askarov, the goaltender, uh, the one who's been uh, compared to Carey Price and the one who may go early in the top ten um, of the first round. Uh, New Jersey is probably the only team um, that I would say in the top ten uh, or the top nine that would that would consider taking. Uh, Askarov. And if that happens, that certainly affects all the picks that that follow. And we remember last year that it was Spencer Knight who was that goaltender that sort of enabled the Montreal Canadiens to draft Cole Caulfield, number 15 overall. So this could happen. Uh, It is a little bit higher than, than, you know, some conventional hockey thinkers would like for a goaltender in the first round. But I mean, he is that highly touted. He is that guy. So, I mean, it could very well be the case. And I think you're right when you say New Jersey would be the only team that it would make sense for them to draft a goaltender. Uh, But for me, I have Lucas Raymond for all the reasons that you said uh, for him going, um, going earlier in the draft, I think. And the fact that for him, the creativity that he has and the fact that he could be playing alongside Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer, I honestly, I just said number seven to New Jersey because I like the fit. So that that could there could be many teams that like the fit, including Anaheim, including Detroit. So for me, I just put him at number, I put him, or even Ottawa at number five, depending on how all things, uh, how they all shake out. But New Jersey at seven, I think, just the fit alone is enough for me to put Lucas Raymond right there and, and, and just years and years of, of fun hockey in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> but moving on to number eight and where there has not been years and years of good hockey, <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> and for me, I'm looking at this as an opportunity for the Buffalo Sabres to in some way try to appease Jack Eichel and give him anything at all to get him excited about playing hockey in Buffalo for years to come. And I think that that might be Alexander Holtz, the goal scorer from, uh, from Sweden. I just think that the talent that he has, the pure, go- uh, pure goal scorer, a good skater, I think adding him into the fold in Buffalo, if he can at all relieve, relieve any sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the demands that have been put on Jack Eichel year in, year out by being a consistent goal scorer in Buffalo, I think that this would be a, a really nice pick for the Buffalo Sabres at number eight. But who do you see uh, going to the Buffalo Sabres in that spot? 
Well, I have a, a goal scorer uh, who has an elite shot still left on, on my board, and that's Alexander Holtz. Um, and um, when you already have uh, Rasmus Dahlin and uh, Victor Olofsson um, and, and others, um, I think he would be a nice uh, add to that particular mix. And as, as you said, uh, it's, uh, if, the aim is, if part of the aim is to keep uh, Eichel <laughs> happy, I think he would be very happy to, uh, to see uh, Holtz being ch- chosen uh, at number eight. So we've arrived at the number nine pick here and the Montreal Canadiens, of course, as we've, we preface this by saying, if they don't get the number one overall pick, this is where they will be picking. So, um, Rick, I will let you bat lead off on <laughs> this right. one because this is a, for me, it's, it's left me with an interesting decision. I want to hear your logic for who you think the Montreal Canadiens are going to draft ninth overall. Well, um, Jake Sanderson um, is uh, a left-hand defenseman. Uh, he's got that uh, lineage of uh, Jess, Jeff Sanderson. Jeff Sanderson played yep. uh, 1,100 games in, in the NHL uh, with Hartford and the Sabres and the Blue Jackets. Um, Jake Sanderson, he's being described as a, as a complete defenseman. Uh, if if Jamie Drysdale is is your uh, more offensively talented defenseman, Jake Sanderson is is the one who um, is most complete. Now, maybe as I said, Drysdale has the higher ceiling, um, but um, with Sanderson, it's his hockey IQ, it's his competitiveness, and his skating. He's probably um, the guy who who you would call as uh, the most elite skater um, in the first round of the draft, um, and uh, just you know his 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 uh, fundamentals of skating give him um, great acceleration and his ability to move the puck. Um, but in addition, it's that hockey IQ that allows him to read the play, uh, he, to set the gap and, um, uh, and, and always, uh, even when he makes mistakes, uses speed to, to recover. Uh, one of the, the interesting quotes was, um, um, by by one of the scouts uh, that I thought was interesting uh, that said if you're looking for someone to um, defend Connor McDavid and you know that that in most situations one on one Connor McDavid is uh, undefendable uh, that Jake Sanderson is the guy who might actually be able to uh, be that kind of suppressive force uh, on Connor McDavid which I thought was pretty high praise. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, just when you think of Jake Sanderson, you think of him as a dominant defensive player, um, and, um, just kind of a smothering approach to his game. But, um, he does w- with his speed and his ability to rush the puck. Um, we shouldn't think of him only as a stay at home defenseman because he does have a good shot, uh, yep. a pretty heavy slap shot and, uh, can contribute. Uh, but, uh, you know, for the Canadians, um, looking to add a player, um, I, I, I think that Jake Sanderson would, uh, would be a perfect fit, uh, from the U S national development program. He's scheduled whenever it, uh, the NCAA, um, begins, he's scheduled to, to be at North Dakota next, next season. And, uh, that would be, that would be really nice to have him in the stable. So, yeah, I have Jake Sanderson as one of my picks for number nine 
because as I said, this has led me to a decision that you need to make. Do you draft based off of, okay, you need a left shot defenseman. And that's something that we've talked about for, for many, many years, for a long time, since they traded Mikhail Sergachev. So you're looking at two years and, and Romanov isn't going to be the be all end all. You need to have more behind him. You need to have more ahead of him, depending on how you view this. So Jake Sanderson to me is one of those picks. But we also know that in recent years, the Montreal Canadiens have had a need for goal scoring. And last year, they th- you know, you, you might have addressed that with Cole Caulfield, but there might be a more complete goal scorer available, and that is Jack Quinn, who had 52 goals for Ottawa of the OHL. He's a goal scorer, but one that scouts like because of his all-around game. He's bigger, he's stronger, and more, as I said, more well-rounded than Cole Caulfield. So do you pick him, or do you go with the defenseman and I think I agree with you. You go with the defenseman, but it does it does lead to an interesting discussion about, you know, what you what you look at in terms of, do you think that Cole Caulfield might be limited in his ceiling because of his size? And that's a discussion that we've had a couple of times. So you go and you get a Jack Quinn who is a little bit bigger, who has a little bit more of a of a well rounded game, whereas Cole Caulfield we knew uh, we know is is you know not. A fan of the defensive side of the puck and doesn't really contribute in that way where jet where jack quinn is looked at as being a little bit more consistent in that way but yes for all the reasons that you said i think if jake sanderson is available at number nine and you know there's reason to believe that he could go higher there are some scouts that view him as the best defenseman in this class mm-hmm. uh, you said that drysdale the more offensive Jake Sanderson more well-rounded and even even in the second half of the season scouts thought that his offensive game really ticked up uh, you said he has good, he's got a good shot so he couldn't it, it could be that he's not available there but if he is the big mobile defenseman you know the elite skater and a guy that can play both sides of the puck I think that you can't pass that up if you're the Montreal Canadiens so for me if he's available at number nine even though Jack Jack Quinn to me is somebody that is it is very appealing with uh, with that number nine overall pick. I think you still have to go with the need that has been there for a few years, and that is left shot defenseman. And uh, Jake Sanderson is that for me. So I, we agree. Agreement. We do. Yeah. We agree. <laughs> um, I'll just mention, and and I'm not taking back. I, I still think it's going to be. Uh, uh, Sanderson, or if uh, one of those aforementioned players, if Sanderson's taken earlier, those aforementioned players. But I see in a lot of the mocks uh, the name Anton Lundell, and yes. um, I think it's maybe a bit of a reach uh, for him to go at nine. But uh, the case being made there is that he's already played uh, two seasons against men in Finland, and and uh, and we know Trevor Timmons, uh, the kind of a com- complete player that you'd have in a, a two-way player that you'd have in. Lund- Lundell, he's uh, high o- hockey IQ and and going to be the top fin taken uh, in this draft. Um, he com- personally compares himself to uh, an Alexander Barkov, and and if that's true, that's not not well. a bad ad either. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, so just to just to add him in the the mix for completeness. But uh, I'm glad to see that we ended up on agreement um, with the um, kind of different journeys that we took uh, yeah. uh, in the mock. And this, to me, I think you can have this sort of discussion uh, because I think that there is just so much, in it, especially specifically in the top 10. And you mentioned Askarov as well as being a potential guy and Lindell as being a guy that could jump in there as well. But I mean, the top 10 in particular 
you you mentioned tiers and how that you have Lafreniere that's a tier unto himself. You have Byfield and Stutzla. And then to me, I think that all of these guys, the remainder of the top 10, I think, are all in the sort of same type of tier. So I think at that point, it just it's based off of preference and what you think fits that team best. So for me, yeah, we took a little bit of a, a winding journey to get back to number nine. And we, we, you know, there was some picks where, you know, I had Rossi going number four and that would be where we sort of started to uh, differentiate a little bit. But, you know, I think that this is a really interesting draft and uh, I think it's a lot like last year in that respect. Absolutely. So, Rick, uh, with that said, we have provided basically that's like basically the top 10 because we also said Askarov and Lundell. So, I mean, that's the top 10 picks of this year's NHL draft. Uh, so we'll take a quick break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we'll wrap this thing up. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeWayla19. You can follow Rick at All Habs. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, so, Rick, before we get into, uh, you know, discussing the changes that we will be seeing uh, with, with our podcasts, um, we'll get to the bracket challenge. And uh, this week was a, was a pretty interesting one. We wrapped up round one. And we saw a pair of matchups. We see uh, we saw Jeff Petrie beat out Yaroslav Spachek, and uh, we saw Sheldon Surrey beat out Stefan Kuntel. And uh, Surrey is an interesting one going forward because, of course, he did have those very productive seasons. 
But I mean, it's it's very much in the same way that we we talked about Mike Komaserik before as well. Is how much of that was to do with with Andre Markov and and the influence that he had, the passes that he made to Sheldon Surrey on those one timers, those lethal one timers on the mm-hmm. power play. So uh, yeah, we're gonna keep watching this, going to see how this all progresses, especially in round two. Round two is where this gets really interesting because, as we said. It might be a little bit lopsided in the first round, but it's in round two where it gets really interesting here with some matchups that are going to make you think about, okay, who was more impactful, who had the longer tenure, all of these things that are going to have to be thought of when you're when you're making these uh, making these choices in, in uh, the second round and on. I'm really looking forward to the uh, to the second round and and uh, uh, really excited to see how the the matchups turn out. Um. I'm just going to mention before we're, we're going to talk about uh, some of the changes that uh, are coming up with respect to uh, the uh, our, our all of our podcasts. Um, but um, one uh, our the text messages that uh, I received this week, we received this week, um, have to do with Lafreniere, and and there's no question yeah. that <laughs> that. Canadians fans are, they never expected to be in this position in the first place. And they are out of their minds with uh, the chance. And and why wouldn't they? As you said, Lafreniere, a generational player. And if you're looking for uh, the Canadians to improve in the future and improve for many years to come, um, that's where your focus is. Um, but there's a portion of the the uh, fan base that thinks it's sacrilegious to to cheer against uh, your team in the upcoming uh, qualifying round against Pittsburgh. And um, that evidenced by uh, a tweet from Mike Cubito uh, on Twitter saying, if you're cheering for the Canadians to lose to Pittsburgh for a 12.5% chance at the number one pick, you are not a Habs fan. Don't watch the games. Um, you know, that's, that's just silly. That's, that's, uh, I think you're, you're probably a different kind of Habs fan, uh, than, than Mike is. Um, I, I think that, that you're thinking long-term and, and no, nobody wants to see their team lose, but, uh, I don't think anyone's believing that the Canadians, uh, are legitimate Stanley cup champions, uh, contenders, uh, uh, this season either. So it's really enticing to have a chance, uh, uh, at a a generational player. Yeah. And this is one of those classic instances of you want the same thing, but you want it in a different way. Or a slightly different way. So, yes, you want the Montreal Canadiens to succeed and make the playoffs and be a contender, potentially, to win a Stanley Cup. Okay, is that this year or is that potentially with Alexi Lafreniere? And I think most people would say that, yeah, that's probably not this year. It's probably not this iteration of the Montreal Canadiens that is going to be a contender and win a Stanley Cup. It's just, it isn't likely. So I don't think saying that fans who are hoping the Canadiens lose and and get an opportunity to draft Alexi Lafreniere or I think saying that they are, you know, less of a Habs fan because of that, that's not fair, but I guess I can understand where he's coming from. You know, cheering against your own team is a little bit of a, you know, a loser's mentality, but in this, in this situation, I don't think anyone envisioned that this would be even possible. So I can understand it from both perspectives, but yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's certainly led to this type of discussion. 
And a fun discussion at that. Um, The discussion that we've been having behind the scenes uh, during the pandemic is how do we make our, our product better? How do we make it uh, the content uh, more more accessible, um, and uh, we we I mean that's something we are always doing at Rocket Sports uh, Media, and uh, and particularly with our Rocket Sports Radio product, uh, we've been working really hard to make some changes, and some of those you've noticed already. And uh, looking at my uh, text messages um, uh, from uh, and and I sh- should say. Uh, you can send us a message, send it on Twitter, send it on uh, the All Habs Facebook page, or send it via the Rocket Sports text line. The text line is 5853ROCKET, 5853ROCKET. Some of those, or most of those texts, if they weren't about Lafreniere, they were about the changes that we've made, and they were like, wow, the, the audio is great. Uh, we we like the sound. It's uh, um, um, uh, much more clear. It's... it's, it's uh, um, the, the only, uh, negative was, could you please turn Joe up? Uh, could you turn up <laughs> Joe? And, and I think we did that this week and, uh, li- yeah. listen, there's, there's, um, uh, things that we're, we're discovering. We've got new hardware. We've got a new studio. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're going to have this all, uh, running at tip top, uh, uh, shape by the time that the season returns. Uh, some of the things we're still, uh, transitioning, uh, but um, uh, we're, we're going to get this uh, w- w- right for you, and it's going to be, a we promise, a better experience. And uh, the other thing is being able to find uh, our podcasts. Uh, but we need you to do a couple of things. And uh, we always tell you that that this is a Rocket Sports Radio product. Uh, the Canadians Connection will always be a, a, a Rocket Sports Radio product, as is the new from... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Uh, it it formerly from the uh, the press box is now called the press zone. Uh, so we're going to need you to check your subscriptions. Go in, make sure you're subscribed to the Canadians Connection. Make sure you're sc- subscribed uh, to uh, the press zone, and make sure uh, to help us to, to help others find uh, our podcast. Make sure you rate it. Uh, just do us that favor uh, and rate um, and you know five. Five stars doesn't hurt, um, no, and um, uh, uh, that will help uh, your fellow Habs <laughs> fans find it. And also, um, share uh, the podcast on social media, uh, both podcasts, uh, the Press Zone and the Canadians Connection. Share them on uh, social media so that uh, you'll help other Canadians uh, fans find them. Certainly, and of course, it's it's not going to change the uh, the the great content that you get from the press zone and this podcast. It's still going to be the same. It's still be under underneath the Rocket Sports Radio umbrella, but it will just be that you have to search for the uh, the podcast individually uh, in whatever app that it is that you are using. So, uh, Rick, uh, with that said, is there anything else you'd like to say before we sign off for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast? Well, we'll just mention some of those uh, uh, podcast app, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify is a lot of people find us on Spotify, yeah. Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Radio Public. Uh, we're on all of them. You just you just have to find them once, subscribe, and then you never have to worry about that again. Absolutely. 
Uh, so, Rick, we will uh, say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And I will say that next week uh, will be a, a bit of a different episode. You'll be joined by Chris G, who oh, will be boy. back in the hosting chair. And you, if you thought that we disagreed in the second segment about <laughs> our mock draft, just wait till next week when Chris G is back in the chair and there's uh-huh. not... There's not a better guy to have sitting in this seat. I'll just be away for, for next week. But there's not a better guy to have in that chair who uh, who's obviously we know from his days hosting the Habs 360 podcast is very capable and uh, looking forward to hearing you both uh, disagree about something. I don't know what it'll be yet, it'll be but fun. about something. It'll be fun. <laughs> so be sure to tune in next week uh, to Rick and Chris G uh, right here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. And as we said off the top of the show to our listeners down in America, please enjoy your Independence Day, your 4th of July weekend. And to our Canadians that are still celebrating Canada Day earlier this week, from earlier this week, keep on doing that. But please do it safely and uh, do it responsibly. So uh, thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.